You tuned into Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to BYT Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. BYT Radio stands for Brightest Young Things Radio. Brightest Young Things is an arts and culture website based out of Washington, D.C. with some stuff in New York and Chicago as well. We also have events. We've been going for a very long time. I think about 12 years at this point. Yes, uh, we become team. You don't exist yet. You've not been introduced. You were a figment. I need to bring you into this world. We are creating worlds here. Is that the first time I've yelled at you like that? Um, You're probably the person. Don't talk. I have not introduced you yet. This is not the way to behave to your boss. It's my boss, everybody. Svetlana's here. Svetlana, how are you? Now you exist. Thank you. Um, I'm good. I'm thinking about how the company becomes a teenager this year, and I'm terrified. So it becomes 13 in 2019. Yep. But you said that with such fear and trepidation in your voice. It, it becomes a yeah. It becomes a teenager. I mean, right? We yeah. should be terrified. I don't know. Teenagers were great for me. I had no problems whatsoever. Completely clear skin. No problems with weight or girls. It was great. No problems whatsoever. What did you think of the film Eighth Grade? I actually haven't seen oh, it boy. because I have a I have a stepdaughter in eighth grade, and yeah. uh, my husband is refusing to watch it for yeah. exactly the reason. He's making of having the correct decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, it was like a terrible time, right? Like, I feel like middle school is, like, where all my scars come from. So when you say middle school, what does that mean? Because for middle school, for some people, it's fifth through ninth. Some people, it's sixth through ninth. Some people, it's sixth through eight. What does it mean to you? I am talking about that, like, 11 to, to like, 13. So you're even going earlier. You're going to, like, fifth grade. Yeah, 11? 11 is sixth grade. 11 is sixth grade? So you're, okay, you're going classic junior high. Classic junior high. See, I think classic junior high was okay for me. I think it was, even high school was okay to a point. I feel like high school was okay. Um, I think middle school is, like, where kind of, like, bad personalities really start to show. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, like, developed actually any defense mechanisms, you get, like, trampled. This is the perfect starting point for our main topic of conversation. It's going to be murder mysteries. But until we get to there, when did you develop your coping mechanisms? How Um, old were you? I mean, it was probably in middle school. Okay. Because I had to. Because I was, like, six feet tall and weighed 84 pounds. So you were the... (laughs) At the age of 12, it was a... It was a great time. So every everyone that's ever described as, as like a future model, you had those exact measurements. Yeah, only with like all the incorrect other things. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but it seems like no matter who you are, mm-hmm. you're incorrect. You're wrong. There's something yeah, easily... Yeah, because it's like a unique experience to sure. all of us, you know? I mean, I feel like, like a lot of people kind of connected to being physically awkward or being into like weird niche shit but like i know plenty of people who were either of those things and were very happy sure and they were very happy in junior high or they're happy now as an adult Both. do you know anyone that was happier as a junior high person than they are as a 30 something um well i don't really like talk to people about it but i feel it's the kind of people you don't want to be friends with. why is that because i mean I don't know. Like, all all the reasons. I don't know if I can name anyone that was happier in junior high. I definitely know many people that were happier in college. 
Yeah, but that's like that suspended like state of kind of fake adulthood that I feel like a lot of people cling on to. What has been your happiest year? You don't have to reveal your age. I, I'll reveal my age. I'm 38 years old. Okay. So what? Uh, zero to born, 38. Born, born, born in the very beginning of the 1980s. You are um, technically a millennial. Yeah, I, I think. Well, You're the it cutoff. used to be the. I used to be the cutoff, but you I feel specifically like that's, yeah, like me personally. Um, I don't know. I like quite liked 33. What happened in your 33rd year of existence? Um, your Jesus year. You hire me that year. You moved to WeWork that year. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I bought a place. I kind of like settled. Mm-hmm. I went on my first vacation in a bunch of years. You know, after like starting a company. I kind of just became a little more at peace with my adult self. Yes. I guess. Um, and I like started writing our murder mystery. There guide. you go. I know you're trying to transition out of it. I am not. Let's stay in the year 33. I, what it was a bigger deal in your life? Getting married or buying a place? There's no right answer. Um, well, I'm going to tell you. So I resisted buying a place. Yes. For a certain amount of time, what let's whatever let's say mm-hmm. like my parents are very into like you, you if you can you like own property. Sure, it's how you like are safe in life. Um, and I remember just like thinking at like 27, 28, 29, 31, whatever. I was just kind of like you know I'm just gonna meet someone mm-hmm. and then we'll like buy a place. But I like wasn't even like I think ready to like date a person. Like, sure, live with a person at the time. Just kind of like doing my own thing. Um, and so then I bought a place at 33 and like promptly met my husband yeah. and had to like move out. And now we have like random people we know living in my condo. That's a pretty good thing. Which is pretty sweet because yeah. it's a great condo to live in if you are in your 30s and single. That's a great way to look at property. It's a good thing to have when you're 30 and single. It's a great thing to not have when you're 30 yeah. and single. It's, it's, like, both ways. it's like a little too nice. To live in it if you're in your 20s and single. Okay, okay, you know, it's I like do. The building's a little too nice. There's like a doorman. There's like safety. It's a great location. I know you keep trying to just transition into murder. You keep mentioning safety. I understand. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, just kind of like from a perspective, I feel like when I was in my 20s, I like wouldn't have appreciated like the 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 like kind of cocoon of that apartment when you're in your 20s this is these are two old people talking to the youth of america and the world i kind of want more filth from from a company (laughs) with young in the title yes when i was in my great job great job anyone anyone out there starting a company in your 20s think what would happen when you own it 13 years later you're 38 you're starting a new company it's the exact same company you're going to rebrand brightest young things what would you call it no, I mean, I th- I think we're we're kind of like have emotionally rebranded it into like BYT. Sure. So it's kind of like the new kids on the block, right? We come NKOTB. You know how many people refer to new kids on the block as NKOTB? No one. Exactly. So you're going to rebrand Brightest <laughs> Young Things. What would you call it today? If you had to pick today with the 12 years history, we're doing the exact same thing today and tomorrow. What would you change the title? Have you even considered this? I don't think you should. I'm just asking if you have. I haven't. Okay. When I was in my 20s, I wanted way more filth. I did not care about nice things. And in terms of nice things, I just mean like clean dishes. You know what I mean? It oh, wasn't no, even no. like fancy things. Just like cleanliness and no laundry piling up. Like I, I, I was I cool mean, with the I filth. Tell, I tell everyone the story. It's like my entire 20s can be like described in like a several sentences, which 
mostly include worrying if we have toilet paper mm-hmm. in the house, right? Like a, a thing I texted about with my roommate <laughs> a disproportionate amount of times. And like, should we like make a detour somewhere and steal like a roll from like a bar or something? Number two, like people still smoked in DC. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And while I personally didn't, but just like having a whole set of clothing that was entirely dedicated. You had going to, out clothes. To being destroyed by smoke. Yeah, it was great. You had like coats that smelled like cigarettes. They were like kept in a deep corner. Yeah, of, like, a closet. I miss that. It's terrible. And then just not needing to sleep. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Like BYD wouldn't exist because I had definitely like a very full-time job and everything else. I would like wake up at 4.30. Go. Hey, by the way, 4.30 a.m. A.m. Okay. Go to like work because I didn't own a personal computer. Which is like also a phrase you don't hear these days, right? Everyone knows personal computer. Um, the phrase "personal computer, computer" is something yeah, you don't hear these days. Exactly. Um, I would go to to like my place of work, work on content for BYT. Then I would like work a full day. I used to be uh, an architect, so you couldn't like fake it, right? Because yeah. like you draw on like a black screen and you type on a white screen, so like you can't like pretend that you're like working when you're not working right that's interesting i didn't realize you had two different screens going no 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 but i mean like if someone was to walk by uh-huh. right like and i was typing oh like i'm I clearly not doing my job yes because i'm not drawing okay it would look completely different okay right? um then i would like go meet my friends go to a show or whatever we were doing in order to like maintain the content sure. that needed to exist arrive home pass out in like a giant smoke curtain that was my hair (laughs) (laughs) right and then repeat repeat yeah for like years but would you trade anything if you could have done things differently i mean not at all good because like i think i was still like friends with very like intelligent people you still are friends with those people a lot of those people one of them works here (laughs) one of them works here yes absolutely yeah morgan nine 11 years, 12 years, 13 years. That's probably. great. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. No, I feel like the, the people I chose to kind of be close with and whatever, I feel like all of those are lasting relationships and I feel like all of those are like real memories and um, no, I don't, I don't regret anything. I'm still like very young, right? I don't know. You just had to ask me if you're very young. You tell me. <clears throat> you're freezing to watch eighth grade for reasons because there's an eighth grader around you. Yeah. How young are you? All right, good, good. It's great to know. Um, Eighth grade is definitely a future murder mystery. No spoilers. Um, The reason why I wanted to talk about all this stuff is because all of this stuff leads to the murder mystery stuff. You mentioned not having toilet paper. That is a very not now problem because Amazon Prime exists. Exactly. And that's an easy, and not everyone has Amazon Prime. I understand that. But Walmart ships for free after a certain threshold. You don't need to, we don't, the culture doesn't have to worry necessarily about toilet paper anymore. Yeah, I mean, also like... Straight up, legitimately, right? There is, like, so many, like, grocery stores and amenities than there were in D.C. Like, exactly. 15 years ago. And all of this leads to more creature comfort. There's more reasons than ever before to stay at home. Yes. So it's definitely than when you started this. There's a reason why, like, every comedy stand that I've watched in the last year starts by, like, the performer thanking the audience for choosing to yeah. leave their homes. Yeah. Because it is so easy to stay home. And that's probably one of the reasons why this is our most successful piece on the site for a few years running, your murder mystery guy. Yeah, I mean, the axis of entertainment on your fingertips is obviously, like, insane. 
Is is it it's too over, much? Too much. It is too much it's in your opinion. No, okay. I have this like idea that like someone it, it there is like a there is like a business in this. I just can't quite like figure out what it is. Um, if someone was to like curate your watching, right? Like mm-hmm. all we're doing now is like I need to find something that I can spend X amount of hours of so that I don't have to think again sure. about what I'm going to watch next, right? And like the, all the algorithms and everything else are built mm-hmm. around that, but. I mean, how much time do you spend like scrolling, trying sure. to kind of viscerally connect to something that's going to like make you happy for like an hour or three hours or 12 hours or whatever, right? You're looking for. And I think if someone was kind of like TV guide style to like build out like Mondays, sure. you know, from seven to eight, let's watch, you know, you followed by an hour of you know what i mean yes so, i like, do it kind of like both lets you like savor the shows a little more it keeps you like a little more interested and things like that but i feel like the way we watch it is completely different now. i think one of the things if you are to do this there needs to be a caveat where like this is a phone show where you will clearly be able to pay attention but still use your phone or your tablet or whatever not that any show is bent for that but let's be realistic here most people are using their devices while enjoying something on netflix Hulu, etc yeah, I, I mean, I, I you don't, so. you yeah. don't. Yeah, I'm really not like a multitasker. I like well, also be, am not like a, really quick. No one is. That's a lie. <laughs> Our brains don't work in a way where you could actually multitask. That yeah. is a lie. I am like a, the opposite of like an ADHD person. Like I feel like I'm either like super focused mm-hmm. on something, or I am like actively trying to you know be super focused on like seven things now so, i'm speaking of which now i have like a paranoid phone? attack yeah that okay. i don't have my phone well i'll keep talking while you try to find your phone <laughs> for the weird. listener at home i am the brandon weatherby i'm the one talking so <laughs> one of the things that i've been thinking about a lot about this murder mystery guide uh, and my murder mysteries uh, in general uh, oh, it's, it's right, right behind there. you i could see it okay this happens every day you are able <laughs> that's to, why i can't multitask you are able to enjoy long form pieces about negative things I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's inappropriate to say murder is a negative thing. Yeah, but I think murder one hundred percent is okay. Great, same page. Uh, but I don't think the kind of cottage industry slash art form of a murder mystery series is like built like I mean like the kind of the origins of the form are meant to be kind of comforting, right? Like when you think of like the Agatha Christie model and everything else, there is um, something that I think was like inherently sort of built as kind of like a calming experience. Like you're going through this process Mm -hmm. with us and there is a solution at the end, which actually I think is maybe a more positive viewing experience than a lot of the ambiguous shit. Like I, I like never watched Lost. Like I couldn't watch Lost. So you want a puzzle. Or like I really can't figure out the Game of Thrones situation. But but you want a puzzle then. If you're talking about yeah, an Agatha like Christie I type want, of thing. I want like a puzzle, but I want something that I know is coming to an end. Okay. Like a satisfying end. But you do for my entertainment's pleasure. But in this, I know this is not about Twin Peaks. We're not going to go that far into it. Yes. But you do mention Twin Peaks in this. You mentioned Twin Peaks in the previous guys. Twin Peaks is clearly not your classic puzzle situation. Yeah, but it is set up like one, and sure. I think it for the majority of it, it can be enjoyed as one. Okay, we are going to talk about newer stuff, but I kind of want to talk about why you're into this. Why is this your thing? Um, you know, 
I don't know. Like I, I did grow up in Europe, and I did go to high school in England, and there is that's kind of like where like that sort of model. For the people that have not seen the guide, it's not all American. In fact, I'd say more than fifty percent is not American. Yeah, I would say Americans really like. The, the what what Americans considered like a procedural or whatever else is not necessarily like actively what I like. I would say that the majorities come from dark, rainy countries. Your Great Britain, yes. your Sweden, your, stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the pigment of the skin is pretty light. Yes. For the That's majority, why the winter is perfect. The winter is perfect for this. Winter is perfect for this. No, there's no murder like a Snowden murder. <laughs> No, because it's... I know, the, I know, like, but I heard that as Snowden, as in the spy yeah. slash patriot yeah. slash... Did you see... That slash, but did you see the scores... Not Scorsese, I apologize. The Oliver Stone, Edward Snowden movie? No. Best comedy of that year. Did it's it, so bad, it's like, laughable. I no interest in it. I actually, after I watched Oliver Stone's Alexander, I just like completely lost interest in anything Oliver Stone will ever do again. Oliver Stone's son is like a Putin shill now. So he won't speak poorly about Putin, and that's why he got that interview on Showtime. Watch the Colbert interview one-on-one. It's hilarious. Now, Bracia Things, I'm, uh, I'm incredibly grateful to work for you. We also occasionally uh, sponsor outdoor film festivals, one of which was the Adams Morgan Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. We Snowden was part of that film festival, so I went when we were sponsoring <laughs> it, and everyone laughed because we're in Washington, D.C., and we know better, and it's a hilarious film. It's not on your murder mystery list because this is television shows. Yes. Okay. Focus, focus on TV. Okay. In here. Why? Uh, because I do think that while there is obviously like a great tradition of um, great like thrillers mm-hmm. in in film form, there is something about like a multi-piece puzzle. Is there, that is also more satisfying? Is there a perfect timeline for these? Because, uh, like we said, not a lot of these are American, which means they're European, which means much shorter series. Your three-hour series, your eight-hour series, that's it. It's over. We've told the story. It's essentially two long films. Do you? I mean, thi- it's it's basically what right Americans tried to do with the True Detective and American Crime and American Crime Story, mm-hmm. like that, like anthology model that like Europe has been doing forever. Do you think that? We've finally caught up because of streaming where now we're, the American public is more okay with anthologies. We don't need our same characters for 20 seasons. Um, I think uh, kind of like the, I would say like the popularity of shows like Sherlock and like first season of Broadchurch and things like that really made... Like when they moved into streaming and all the streaming originals became of that format because mm-hmm. it's obviously easier to produce like a 10 episode arc or an eight episode arc or a six episode arc than it is to produce a 23 episode arc, sure. which like blows your mind. I mean, uh, like certain things that are still on network TV, like season two of Riverdale, 23 episodes. Yeah. Who's going to sit through that thing? Teens. I don't think so, actually. All right. <laughs> And I am basing this off of, like, off personal of the experience. Yeah. So, it feels like... First season, 10 episodes. Then they were like, okay, we're going all in. 23. Too much, man. So, that much Twin Peaks. So, your piece has been doing very well for the past few years, but I think we're at a turning point. I feel like we are over... I feel like your time has passed slightly. We are transitioning away from murder mysteries and into true crime. Not the site, but the popular culture. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that Americans yes. 
have really found like if the british have mm-hmm. found their place in kind of like the elegant short shorter form you know solution whatever and the skin names and found their way whatever i think the americans have really like found their niche in true crime because big country lots of things to to discuss <laughs> that's true um really some pretty terrible things i personally i mean i'm a fan but i would not watch it in the way that i watch like murder mysteries well there there is a true crime component to this guide for yes. the people we, listening we, that haven't seen it we've had it in the years past but yes. this year since uh Biguiti now has a, a true, true crime, crime festival, festival uh, the only one in the country um we have you know, kind of made embraced it, a more it. Pr- embraced it. And also, obviously, like, I think... By the way, when we say embraced it, we don't mean we're murdering people. We're no, still no, no, very but, anti-murder. But also, I want to make that clear. Anti-murder. Also, I think the quality of the content has, like, e- increased tremendously, I would say, in the last two years. Okay. Starting, I mean, really in the last five, but, like, in the last two, tremendously. I mean, like, it's people who have, like, won Academy Awards and, like, things like that who are, like, choosing to do this. Clearly, Serial is probably the breaking point. Which, first season five years ago. Exactly. And that's probably when the true crime in America was peaking, because I feel like that was also true detective. I was 33. Season. There you go. You're, you're peaking. <laughs> but it's, it seems like I have, a, I have a theory about why we're so true crime obsessed now more than ever before. It, it all relates. Everything is relating. We're in Instagram. We're in Twitter. We're in all that. We're in Snapchat, etc. That is more instantaneous, and I could see that. We're, and to produce a true crime anything is a lot easier than to produce... A, like a, fiction, a fictionalized anything and therefore it's easier to make it's easier to produce quickly and now everyone knows how to use the Ken Burns effect in Final Cut we know how to make these things relatively cheaply it's mm-hmm. the same reason why uh, network television went to reality TV about 18 years ago yeah no I mean to, to make like the Amanda Knox documentary you need like a room yeah an interviewer a and camera. this is not a knock on the Amanda Knox documentary no, no, no pun no. intended I think it's like actually a very compelling exactly. piece of entertainment which like if you were to try and make a 90 minute feature film that's a lot more difficult yeah and it's the exact same thing we have a music documentary feature that went up yesterday it's the exact same thing if you've noticed our feature it seems like we completely ignore the 60s 70s 80s that's not true at all it's just that in the 60s 70s 80s you needed film and now you don't really need film, and anybody can make anything quickly. There's a reason why two Fry docu- Fire Festival documentaries were debuted on the same week. That, yeah. There's a reason for that. But there's been no narrative Fire Festival documentary starring Zac Efron. You know what I mean? Like, if it was 10 years ago, that's what would have happened. 100%. Do you feel like this will go back to also, where it Fire was? Also, Fire Festival wouldn't have existed 10 years ago. I mean, you can, because of Instagram, because of influencer culture? Yeah, that's a good point. That being said, Diplo was still DJing Intonation Music Fest 10 years ago. Anyways, I have a Diplo poster in my house for that reason. No, no, no. I mean, I think, like, obviously, festival culture was huge, I'd say, 10 years ago. But I think, like, the the particular fiasco and, like, the unraveling, you know, like, based on both, like, high brain, like, excitement and high brain, like, repellent. I mean, when you look at, like, the stuff that internet, like, social media like did for it both to build it and to break it down. I mean, that's that's really the story. I feel like no one really talks about that. Do you understand why people care about the Fire Festival slash Fire Festival documentaries? What do you mean? Does it confound you? Do you understand why people are talking about um, it? I mean, I think it's just kind of like a car crash, right? Like it is definitely a car look, crash. Can't, can't look away. Yeah. Also, I think as much as like Americans like kind of people succeeding it is like way more fun to like watch oh yeah 
like terrible people failing. Yeah, we want to see the downfall. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really funny since a couple, maybe like last week or something, there was like a couple of stories about, you know, their like DC connection mm-hmm. with the Ja Rule uh, concert and everything. And so I was like, this actually sounds suspiciously familiar. And I went through my inbox since I've been doing this for forever. And <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, I like there's a forward to our um, events director at the time where they were just kind of like looking to get involved and looking, you know, for like venues and they're thinking about Howard Theater, but like they also heard that we do these cool museum events and maybe like we could make it into like a Magnesis party that's co-presented by BYC. For the people that don't know what we're talking about, Magnesis was the scam credit card that sort of started the fire, but you watch the doc. Yeah, it wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't even like a credit card. It was just like, we'll we'll put like a shell on your exist, on your Chase card or Capital One card. Um, And I, and literally the forward to me (laughs) that I sent was, I spoke to these people briefly on the phone. They seem a waste of space, but at the same time, how are you supposed to like book a big venue and book like a relatively well-known act? I feel like the downfall of Billy McCarlin was like in the moment he decided to partner with Ja Rule. That like tells you everything you need to know. There is like, why is he not partnering with Diplo? There... Yeah, that's the that's the premise of Fire Festival. Why was he not partnering? I understand no, no, what you're no. saying. I mean, I it's just like you are like, really? This isn't like a particularly like trailblazing Nothing is trailblazing. There is a reason why mer- yeah. people like murder mysteries so much. I'm trying to get back to you. Yes. Everything you're telling the Can same. Can we just talk about the fire festival? Absolutely. That's super easy. <laughs> I'm sure we're not the first show on the station to talk about it. What's so I'm interesting kidding. about it's already it's already two weeks too late. No, it's not. I disagree completely. Really? I think this is the thing that needs to be discussed every single time there's a good festival, and we should remember how difficult it is to like get toilets at a place and deal with trash removal and like the stuff I that- I don't actually think it's difficult if you actually want to do it. If you are spending the majority of your time, you know, like literally walking around just drinking Coronas and- I don't disagree with you. Macking on models and asking your event planners to go like sure. suck people's dicks in order to get like permits, then you probably don't stand also, a chance. Also, that guy is a bad person. The guy that's like, I'm going to, he told me to, he asked me to suck. I was like, you were financing a fraud for a decade, dude. I'm not going to feel bad for you. Anyways, uh, on his yacht races. Anyways, the reason why I think we need to keep studying it and, and keep, expo- not exposing it, but keep spreading the word about it is because all of the things that people take for granted, maybe they won't take for granted as much. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The reason why I like the music doc so much is because I like seeing the downfall to remind myself, you don't actually want to be a touring musician because it's not very fun. Yes, the the 40 minutes to four hours on stage, that is wonderful. But what about all the stuff surrounding that? That sounds like a nightmare. And that's what music docs portray. And that's what the Fire Festival documentaries did a good job doing, showing that like, even if you pull this off, even if it's perfect three days in the Bahamas, was it really worth it? Like, it clearly wasn't for them. But like in general, is that even worth it? I mean, you have to ask what people's motivation was. And I think possibly the answer is, you know, hoping to get that like one photo with Gigi Hadid you'll dine on for the next year with your like douchey <laughs> eye banker friends. And speaking of motivations, let's talk about murder mysteries. Yes. What, how quickly on average could you figure out who did it? Um, you know, recently it gets like easier and easier, but I don't think it's because I've seen too many. I think because people are running out of ideas, right? Like okay. the, the model is 
what the model is. Perfect. First real question about your doc. Not your doc, sorry. About your guide. What is the newest uh, television show that most people don't know about that actually pleased you from start to finish? Um, there's two. I would say one is called Unforgotten, which is um, a masterpiece, mystery, PBS, BBC style production. Your classic. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's prestige, a, but free for the public. Yeah, it's it's a modern era show. Uh, it's about cold cases and uh, six episodes, one case per season. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just like something very like moving about the cases which they're 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 shocking but it is like as much about um the victims and the kind of motivation and everything else which i feel like people just now kind of gloss over for the sake of like you know the gory visual or like whatever is going to be like the hook um so it's kind of like done well in a like classic sense um and then i loved no offense, which is um, Paul Abbott, who is the creator of Shameless, um, and it's his like new show, which is, I mean, just like, like, like a Guy Ritchie movie when Guy Ritchie movies were like so really fun, fast paced. Yeah, just like super snappy. Got to like keep track of everything. Like jokes are coming like against each other. Like cases are gruesome. Streets of England are terrible. Like, lives are messy. We're powering through this. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, like, it's just, like, way more dynamic than, like, anything is of late. Almost all... uh, Like, of any genre, I would say, almost. Almost all of these. If not, I think all of them are available to stream. Yes. Um, Which you you list where you could watch them. Yes, we we do a very up-to-date fact-check guide as to where you can stream... Every single one of these like hundred shows so, are in the guide. Do you recommend streaming them all at once? Because six episodes for an hour each—that's one night. You could do that. Should you do that? Um, I think it kind of depends on on your state of Let's mind. Let's talk about the first two that you just mentioned. Um, I definitely binge watched No Offense season one because it kind of takes like a minute to get into the groove, and then once you're in the groove of like the the language rhythm and like the way they do things. So it is like a Guy Ritchie film in that way. Yeah, you kind of want to keep going, right? Okay. Like you don't want to like have to get back into it. Sure. You know, um, it's kind of like you've come to a bar, you know, like you've met your friends, you had like a drink or two. Now you're like in that sweet spot, so you want to continue that speed. It's a good way to sell that show. Yeah. No, I think the show is amazing. Um, and then everything else, I think I'm like kind of okay watching two episodes at a time or so. Like, I, I don't really... I guess maybe because I've also seen so much of it, I don't really, like, desperately crave to finish it Okay. in, like, a binge-watchy way. Will you finish everything you begin? Uh, in no. terms of murder mysteries? No. 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 How soon will you turn something off? Will you give it, like, ten minutes and you like, no, this oh, isn't no, no, for no. me? I mean, I'll probably give it the majority of the first episode. Okay. That still could be short. That's, like, usually a half an hour, then. Yeah. Okay. Um, If you're just, like, if you don't care about what's going on, why watch it? Have you ever been right. proven wrong? Have you? Have There's it, so much out there. Why watch something? Sure. Like Has there been any of this prestige stuff that maybe after the first episode you're like, I don't know, but everyone talks so highly of it, I'll finish it, and then it was totally worth it. It actually was great once you get to episode three or actually, something. Actually, like, the only stuff that I feel like that, mostly as ridiculous as that is, is true crime. Okay. 
Um, because because you have to bring them into the real world because there's so much no, exposition. Because I, I feel. Um, well, I mean, first of all, there's obviously like a sadness to it that can't be compared to watching something that's a piece of fiction. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, I feel like in true crime, in American true crime in particular, uh, they like to find really unfortunate souls. Is it possible? Like to... I couldn't finish making a murderer because this it's depressing. man, yeah, this man never stood a chance. No. Like I'm okay watching, you know, like anything that involves like people who could like in some capacity stand up for themselves, right? Sure. But like to just watch something that is never going to end well. Here's the Even if it ends well, it's not going to end no, well. Understood. Here's the difference for me between true crime and murder mysteries. Um, clearly one is fiction, one is narrative. We get it. We're, not, we're Sorry, not narrative. But nonfiction versus fiction. Point blank. That's an obvious one. But the real difference is in the murder mystery, we're at least pretending things are relatively equal. And if we're on equal grounds, it's fun. There's a puzzle to solve. It's not just sad, systematic racism, sexism, homophobia, etc. But if you go to the real world, we go to the true crime world. It's like, oh no, no, no. all the all the things that exist in your world, they're here, if not more prevalent. And it's never even if it, like you said, even yeah. if it's uh, an innocent man, it doesn't matter. Even if it's an innocent woman, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Horrible things are happening now. Yeah, and like people get like chewed into the system and chewed out of the system. I mean, it's I I sometimes have a hard time looking at it as an entertainment. Yes, agreed. Uh, but do you understand why others enjoy it so much? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, for example, for every, like, making a murderer, which I, like, couldn't finish, uh, like, I, for example, just, like, swallowed Keepers as a whole. I wasn't mm-hmm. very satisfied with how it ended because, of course, it ended unsatisfyingly. But... The cast of characters was, you know, very compelling and dynamic yeah. and um, flawed and, sure. you know, um, and I felt that was like great entertainment while the story is really, truly like terrible. This reminds me mm-hmm. of um, not the exact same comparison, but uh, the Manson family murders, right? The Manson yes. family murders are back in the news this week. Yes. The Girls was one of the best books of 2016. Mm -hmm. Was it one of the best books of 2016 because it was fictionalized and not just a retelling of it? I don't know. I own it. I haven't read it. It's great. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. I think it'll scratch all the itches but not be as depressing because it's fiction. I I think the reason why I have not read it is because I think it's going to be depressing. It's not. I mean, you know what happens in the real world, so like, don't worry about it. It's not like that. It they they take some license in a, in a great way, and I'm I'm that's the kind of stuff I'm gravitating towards. Now, I do think that there's a huge race component when it comes to both murder mysteries and true crime. Yes. Um, based on both the people in them, and I think it's a it's a luxury to be able to like be such a huge fan of true crime these days. It's it means that you're probably like yes you're you're probably like a, a white like a woman. woman in in your thirties yes I guess now I would never want to be a white woman because it's much more difficult to be a white man I don't know if you know that my life is easier than your life I could say that with authority I'm speaking from experience so I never really got into true crime other than like how I was personally affected by it does this make sense yeah I think also I mean we we talked about it a lot when people were asking us you know why a true crime festival why now. Um, and 
I think there is something, you know, like we live in pretty uncertain times. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like during those some form of, you know, art or entertainment usually comes out that like satisfies some cathartic need, right? Um, And I think women who, no matter what we kind of try to tell ourselves or whatever else, we're still kind of like raised to some extent, especially the women that are attracted to this, right? So I would say typically... It's usually, you know, it's a lot of older women that, like, love it. When oh, you yeah. look at, like, things like Oxygen or Investigation Discovery or whatever, rebranding entirely to kind of cater to those women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were raised with, like, this, like, to, to be polite, to not rock any boats, to not um, maybe, like, advocate for yourself or something sure. um, as much as you probably should have been raised to advocate for yourself. And... Um, there is something uh, like that feels almost like a release. Oh yeah, watching those things, and I think also women, as a whole, are more interested in the why. You know, kind of like the psychology. There's like a reason why. You know, like every 13 year old girl kind of wants to study psychology or something like that, um, and we kind of tap into that like first like interest. Sure. Right. Um, and I think men don't need it. I think men maybe have the more everything of these else outlets. in the world. More outlets. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I was, uh, I was raised to be the exact opposite of a woman in terms of uh, not advocating for yourself. It was like, yeah, be as loud as you can be, and then yeah. you'll win about everything. And it's really worked out. I highly recommend it. <laughs> My favorite shows at the first edition of True Crime kind of relate to murder mysteries. Um, let's just talk about one. One is John Douglas. Now, John Douglas will be returning to True Crime's uh, second festival. It's in March in New York City. Go to deathbecomesus.com. For more on that, go to BriceYoungThinks.com. We're doing it. Now, this guy, <laughs> this character, he's interesting because he definitely is clearly true crime. He's advocated for people like Demi Nichols and Amanda Knox. He used to, he's, he's like the FBI profiler. Yeah, I mean, he's the reason why we have a term serial killer. Exactly. He's also the writer and, I guess, the premise of the show, Mindhunter. Well, he, he's the guy that led to Silence of the Lambs, in a way. Yeah, so he, um, I mean, if anyone is a giant fan of John Douglas, I am. I don't know. Your husband is a pretty big fan. My husband is a pretty big fan. My stepdaughters are pretty big fans. Every woman in our office is a pretty big fan. We're all fans. Um, and for good reason, right? A really smart guy, uh, a really thoughtful guy, um, a person that maybe it seems like he's kind of capitalizing on this, but like really, I mean, wasn't in the genre for the sake of the genre, right? Um, was a you know, uh, an agent. And what we're seeing in Mindhunter, the show is basically how him and two of his colleagues started Mm -hmm. what is the FBI Behavioral Science Unit. And it's in your guide. It's in my guide. I love it. I think it's great. I think David Fincher is one of the best thriller directors and creators that exist out there. Um, And um, actually some of my favorite, like, movies in the genre are, like, David Fincher movies. Um, and but it is loosely based on his autobiographical book, which is kind of like behind the scenes of the FBI Behavioral Science Unit. And um, his character was the inspiration for John Glenn's character mm-hmm. in Silence of the Lambs. Um, and frankly, is like responsible for like, I mean, a thousand shows and a thousand yeah. other things because like that idea. He's of the being, connective tissues between the murder mystery fiction and the yes, real life true crime yes, stuff. Yes. He's a while fascinating being, character. While being 
yeah, a completely like legitimate person. Yeah. Like not a hack in any way. Is it Mindhunter or is it a different one of his books where he talks about the divorce? And he's like, I wasn't a good dad, but now I'm trying to be a good dad. Yeah. I really screwed that up. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been married for, for like decades. Second wife or third wife? Second wife. He's, he's been divorced. He's divorced. Yeah, but I feel... He's been married now for a very yeah, long time. But he like, time. in the one of the books, I don't know if it's that one or the most recent book that I mean, deals with a man who knocks and Damien Eccles. He talks about like yeah, getting divorced yeah. and like, I no, screwed that No, I mean, he up. was not like an easy person. No. And you can kind of see that he wouldn't be like necessarily like an easy person to like live with or, or be with. But most people who are, you know, pioneers of some kind of are not necessarily like easy people. They're like very specific people. Um, he also like obviously like suffered a stroke in his like thirties, yeah. early thirties. It's in the book. It's in the book. The book actually starts with that. It's it's and a harrowing tale. Ends, ends with that, but um, no, I think what's like amazing about John Douglas is like someone who has like, I mean, again, the most legitimate person of all time, right? Like in, in when it comes to realm. true crime, when it comes to when it comes to crime solving, yeah, everything else. I mean, if he had not like spoken to like every single one of these killers that like America didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. and like established patterns and established like reasons for for killing your fellow human being that are not like based on money or you know like something that's like actual an actual like known motive. Is it fair to say tangible motives? Tangible motives. Okay. Yeah. Um I don't know if I'm you using know, that people, people didn't know how to look for them because if it didn't like go down like a basic checklist of sure. like this person had enemies and then they were killed, you know, like or this person was part like an organized crime syndicate or like whatever. If it was just the thing that happened and you l- had to look in like the patterns of human behavior to like understand why the killer did it, um, I mean, who knows where we would be now? Now. I agree with what you're saying to a point. Do you? Could you also say John Douglas is one of the reasons why people are now more paranoid about violent crime happening because they think of all these crazy things, but the likelihood of happen of them happening are lower than ever before. Um, I don't, I don't know John Douglas or just this genre as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, as a country or a world, mm-hmm. we don't think the world is safe, right? I mean, yeah. like. I don't know. Like, I grew up in a city. Did you grow up in, like, I a did. urban yeah. environment? Yeah. I mean, I still, like, went out, like, a ch- like a kid to play yeah. in the street with my friends. Completely and, fine. Like, totally fine. Yeah. And, like, went to the movies, like, with my friends. And, yeah. like, did, like, things that... You did things as a child alone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was kind of, like, come back home for, like, dinner. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. You know? And That's I don't, changed. That has changed. Um, and I think that has changed both because the access to news and information about these things happening is much more accessible, Mm -hmm. right? Because due to internet and everything else, you know, what used to be like local news or whatever else news, you could kind of, unless something was like a big national story, Mm -hmm. you could be relatively shielded from it, right? If it's not like immediately affecting your, your neighborhood. And then, yeah, I do think, you know, the pervasiveness now of this entertainment and especially like the pervasiveness of true crime like entertainment, um, yeah, I mean, it's making people paranoid. I Here's what I always think I, about when I, I mean, think of murder mysteries. Understandably. 
I don't agree. I, whenever I think of true crime versus murder mysteries and all this good stuff, I think of my favorite murder mystery, which is barely a murder mystery, which is The Thin Man slash The Thin Man Returns. I mm-hmm. like the second Thin Man a little bit more, but you don't get the second one without the first one. Therefore, I'm saying both. Anyways, it's great. It's Dashiell Hammett, and the book is kind of dark, but the films are not dark at all. They're fun. They're full of martinis, literally and figuratively. There's a dog that goes to the bar with them. It's a rich woman. It's a poor man. It's great. The dialogue is perfect. They make murder seem beautiful and fun yeah, and not sad in a way. And then when I think of true crime, I think I of mean, making a murder. My... my, my uh... My stepson's named after Dashiell Hammett. It's an amazing, he's, he's an amazing writer. Problematic, but amazing. That's the kind of stuff that, to me, is different. Is it like, that's why that would I, have like, been a good dinner party, him and Lillian Hellman, right? Like, sure. When you think about that, as far as like people to have over. You would want to have a martinis. dinner party. You'd want to have a dinner party with pretty much anyone that makes these murder mysteries in your list, and no one that makes their, the true crime stuff. Yeah, maybe. Probably. So that's the difference. I think, in a weird way, fictionalized murder is fun. But real murder, bad. Yeah. Not fun. Now, cathartic, and there's definitely a time and a place for it, and it's incredibly important, and I think that we understand the world in a better way. Yeah, and sort I think of. there's something kind of subversive in enjoying, you know, kind of like as like a regular person, you can find some like sub- subversing enjoyment in finding some of these things that are meant to be kind of like actually amusing, like the My Favorite Murders or Last Podcast sure. or whatever else that are kind of actual entertainment. Yes. Um, versus someone just reading a Wikipedia page. Yeah, or, you know, just kind of, yeah, exactly. Right? There's a lot of those. And that and there's a place for that. People like yeah. that. Not for, Good for them, not for me. Yes. Uh, I think it's, it's the quality of the content cannot be underestimated, like, when assessing anything. Like, I don't think we should be into anything because, like, the, the premise is, like, salacious or intriguing. I think we should still be looking at all of this and trying to decide whether it is good. Okay, let's go back to your list. Uh, what is the newest edition that is the most beautiful in the Murder Mystery Guide? Beautiful. The most beautiful, because that's the, one of the things that murder mysteries tend to be. They tend to be gorgeous. Uh, gorgeous? Even Broadchurch, Broadchurch is, was gorgeous to me. I would say, like, stunning, yeah. <laughs> Um, that is a synonym. But not like beautiful. The sea? Yeah, the colors yeah, they got from that? There. The night there. shots from the the headlights onto the cliff? It was beautiful. I'm, I'm scrolling. That's What is the most... If you were a cinematographer, what's the one you'd want to work on is another way to look at it. Um, no, I don't know. That's okay. It's okay, right? There's, it's more than They're enough. all very, like, I mean, I feel like that broad church aesthetic mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the Sherlock aesthetic and whatever, like, it all very much, like, lives on, right? Sure. That, that uh, you, you, you know what, like, the director of photography directives were. This will be a the, lot of it. This will be the easiest question. And this will be the last question before we go to Best Week and Best. We'll do a quick uh, break between the two. What is the best non-English show on this list? Because there's a lot. It doesn't have to be necessarily a new show, but what's the best non-English speaking show on this list? Um, let's think about that for a second. I cannot contribute to this. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's very different. Like a recent one that I quite enjoyed was Lamont, which is a, a praying mantis um, kind of play. Okay. And it's a female. Okay female serial killer which is i think pretty rare pretty rare and like a fun compelling thing and then um 
the woman is played by Carol Bouquet, who used to be the face of Chanel in the 90s. And there's just like something very kind of like icy and gorgeous okay. about it. Um, and it's short. It's five episodes. It's just over the top enough. Really fun. So the name of that show again is Lamont, and that could be a good transition on Netflix for people to get into not English speaking. Hundred percent. There you go. That's a great one. And then we're gonna do a quick break, and we're gonna come back with Best Week and Bets. Is that okay, Jamal? Fantastic. Uh, and then Svetlana, I don't know if you know this, we publish Best Week and Bets every week. We're gonna oh, get yeah. to that in a second. Vaguely. That's murder e. Jamar, are you mic'd at all? I am mic'd, actually. What is your thoughts on murder mysteries? It had me thinking about, like, those midday shows that come on A&E, like City Confidential and stuff. Oh! You know those? They're kind of campy, but... And then it's always the good voiceovers, like... Yeah. Tanya, 34. You know, it's kind of cool. I like Tanya's it. a great murder name. It's a great murderer name, and she killed her husband for... $5,000 life insurance policy. That's not it's a big like, life insurance policy. It's not, but you know. I understand. Do you and watch it's, any and of those? it's always in Pennsylvania for some A lot of those <laughs> happen like around Philadelphia area. For oh, some I thought reason. you were going to go Pittsburgh because it's colder. Pennsylvania. Well, yeah. Pennsylvania is a big state. Pennsylvania is pretty huge. And uh, Have you been to Pittsburgh? Uh, I've been past Pittsburgh. More like eastern Ohio. Got yeah. family over there, but I went to college in Philly. So oh, okay. Yeah. So do you like Philly? I like Philly a lot. Should I, like I say the word Philly because I've never lived in Philly? You can say Philly because that's what we call it. Okay. That's what they call it. What are your called. thoughts on gritty? Filthy. Do you, is gritty. that good or bad? Uh, <laughs> depends on what side of the grit you're on. You know fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Every You could kill the music, by the way, and I said that intentionally. Every Thursday on Brightest Young Things, we release our best weekend bets. That sounds like we are like making things, like children and then releasing. That's not how things work. We're picking things to do that don't suck. In addition to doing it for DC, we also have queer best weekend bets, which focus on the DC area as well. And then we also have New York City best weekend bets. Now, there's a reason to subscribe to our mailing list because we tend to release tickets to our mailing list subscribers before anyone else. Now... Like Svetlana and I have been discussing, there is a true crime festival coming up in New York City, March 20th through 24th. Now, if you want to know about those shows, you should probably sign up to the mailing list because you will know them about everybody else and then be able to plan accordingly and then be able to get your tickets to Amanda Knox and then not email us the week before saying, hey, I can't get those tickets or hey, it's offensive that you have Amanda Knox on your show. I've already bought tickets. Why would you do that? That's insane. Anyways, sign up to the mailing list. It's on the website. I think it's going to be interesting. I am actually very interested in that show because John Douglas is there. Yes. That's and Damian Eccles. That guy clearly did it. No, it's a JK. It's a JK. <laughs> no, no, no. Someone, someone on social media posted yesterday. I was like, this is the equivalent of an Elton John and Billy Joel concert together if you're a true crime fan. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll discuss that later. I think it's a good thing. See, I think it's a medium thing. Because Elton John has like two decades of great stuff and then three decades of not good stuff. And Billy Joel has like a decade of great stuff and then 30 years of alcohol abuse where he tried to kill himself multiple times in the Hamptons. Moving on to Thursday, (laughs) it's a very frigid night. Svetlana, what is your recommendation this last day of January 2019? You know, since, since, since the government shutdown is over, take advantage of a Smithsonian event. There you go. Uh, Hershorn is hosting uh, Night of Ideas. Not sure where that is. 
great recommendations. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not sure how that's going to like play out in that space. Like I could see it playing out in the auditorium. Yes. And I could see it playing out in some other things. So it's, it's both like interesting and it will be interesting to see. That is happens. correct. Uh, editorial assistant Kaylee Dugan really likes Poppy. Poppy is at the 930 Club. That's the early show. So we're going to recommend that. I'm going to also recommend checking out Frenchie's Natural. It's the brand new restaurant that used to be The Bird. I think it's called Frenchie's Natural. Nope, it's called Natural because I'm from this great country, and Svetlana, you're definitely correct. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it opens tonight. Goodbye, the bird. Hello, Frenchies. Eat some steak. Moving on to Friday. Friday, February 1st, 2019. Svetlana, what is your pick for the Washington, D.C. area? Um, you know, I'm going to say... I mean, is it terrible that I just keep reading the first thing? That no, the there's a reason. I mean, <clears throat> like Tony Braxton's in town. Yeah, Tony Braxton's at the I MGM was, National I was, Harbor. I was born at the beginning of the, the 1980s. Tony Braxton the was... Unbreak My Heart was like my jam. Tony Braxton is great. And here's the thing that I always remember about Tony Braxton. And I think it's one of the reasons why I have this job I have right now. Um, the Rosie O'Donnell Show was a daytime television show. Do you remember the Rosie O'Donnell Show? Yeah. Do you remember her first three guests? Her first three guests, why don't you remember that, was uh, George Clooney, Susan Lucci, and Tony Braxton. Yeah. And she would have them every year on the anniversary, and I would remember that. Because I liked Tony Braxton when that show premiered, I want to say 95. Could you look that up for me, Jamal? Could you look up the Rosie O'Donnell show? I think it debuted in 95, and I think the first three guests were George Clooney during his Caesar haircut face, Susan Lucci, and Tony Braxton. That is my horrible steel trap of a mind. Moving on. Mm-hmm. For something that people actually want to hear about, it debuted uh, in '96. Okay, I was pretty close though. Uh, let me see. Does it say the first first guest? I don't. I don't see first guest. I do remember Barbara Streisand being on a lot. Though. She was. She was a huge Streisand mark. Yeah. Good job. Uh, National Restaurant Week is over, but National Harbor's Restaurant Week is about to. Uh, it wraps up this weekend, so we're going to recommend if you're going to the MGM National Harbor to see Tony Braxton. We're also going to re- recommend going to Jose Andres's Fish. Fish is probably the best restaurant at MGM National Harbor, and clearly Jose Andres is the best American, and he was not born in this country, unfortunately, therefore he cannot run for president. We're also going to recommend seven years of Port City. Congratulations, Port City. Our beer coverage is second to none. Uh, We have a brand new Freshly Tapped on the site today. Uh, Phil Runco runs all that stuff, so if you're looking for beer coverage, go to BrightShineThings.com. Read any of Phil's coverage. Best beer coverage in the city. Not hard. Not hard. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to Saturday. Hmm. Saturday, the first Saturday of February. It's going to be about 40. It's going to feel a lot warmer. So, Lana, what is your recommendation? We Keep in mind, we have daytime and nighttime, so you can pick from either. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with, like, seeing Black Klansmen at the National Cathedral. Yes, the National like Cathedral. Like a fascinating... It is. Like, uh the, emotional set. On Friday night, they're screening Do the Right Thing with a panel. On Saturday, it's Black Klansman with a panel. Uh, clearly, Black Klansman is nominated for Best Picture. It has a chance. Do the Right Thing should have won. So this is, I think this is his Scorsese Departed Academy Award, where we kind of, we fucked up 28 years later. <laughs> here's your Academy Award. Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to recommend Bolero. Bolaru? Bolaru, Columbia. Brand new bowling alley. We need more bowling alleys and batting cages. I've been on. Someone in D.C. needs to open a batting cage for me so I could hit things. I will go on a weekly basis, if not more often. I'm excited for the bowling alley in Columbia because that's similar-ish. I get to throw a thing. I like that idea. Go to that. That's clearly family-friendly. 
I'm also going to recommend Ice Yards. Now, Ice Yards is that thing where people jump into the water, whatever. I don't care about jumping into the cold water, but it's a fundraiser for the Special Olympics, and I'm not going to make fun of that. And uh, if you're one of those people that want to jump into cold water to raise money for the Special Olympics, good on you. That should be supported. Moving on to Sunday. Sunday, the final day of the weekend, the first Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday of February. Yes. What is, is your pick? Which is why our... our uh animated theme for best weekend bets is schitt's creek <laughs> because I, it's not that yes because i was amused by it so you can watch schitt's creek mm-hmm. on netflix great time seasons one through four four um and then you know i don't know maybe go to the national women in the arts museum yeah it's their great. free community day yeah. uh that's a good pick I'm going to recommend... So I'm recommending two very non-Super Bowl. I'm going to recommend the only Super Bowl pick we have on the site for Sunday, which is Jack Rose's annual chili cook-off, because it's all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink thing. And uh, if you don't really care about the game, but you're like, hey, I like to hang on on Jack Rose's roof, this is the time to do it, because it's heated, and it's still going to be... It's going to be 50, though. It's going to be like 50 on Sunday, so it won't be that bad. What an emotional roller coaster. Exactly. Also, the Puppy Bowl is on. Stay at home and watch the Puppy Bowl. It airs on repeat. It's in a two-hour loop. Have you ever watched the Puppy yes, Bowl? Yes, I have. Good. You're a true American. Yes, I think so. So, Lana, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me still work for you. Yay. Um, we have one minute left. Come to Brighty Shank Things so you can find out more for information about Death Becomes Us, a true crime festival, March 20th through 24th in New York City. Some of the shows have been announced. More are coming some of the shows go on sale tomorrow. Some of those shows are going to sell out right away. Once they are sold out, we cannot help you get tickets. I am very sorry about that. I know if you're listening to this, you might know me. I cannot help you get tickets. You need to buy them on Friday, February 1st. Yes. Between, there's a bunch of them go on sale at 10, and then the Amanda Knox, John Douglas, David Eccles show goes on sale at noon. Yes. Keeping it as complicated as human as possible. Yes. Uh, the best thing to do is to get the all-access pass, which is like a deal and a steal, especially if you knew what we know about what's about to be announced. So that we've always had all-access passes for our other festivals. Go check out those lineups. You'll understand what that entails. You'll understand why it's actually a very good value. If you steal. If you want to come to... Uh, did you say that because it's a true crime festival? Yes. Fantastic. Um, we, if this festival goes well, we're going to revive the fire Festival. The same weekend. We're going to do the fire Festival the same weekend, and nothing bad's going to happen. We're going to throw it together. We could probably do this in like 48 hours. We're going to make it. It's going to be a tribute to the television show, 48 hours. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a wonderful night.